Premier Jason Kenney is joining us now to discuss what's going on within the party right now. Premier, thanks so much for joining us. appreciate your time this morning. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks very much, Jay. Uh, Premier, right off the hop here, help me make sense of this. Um, for months, you've been the guy that's been telling us, you know, you enjoy the debate of democracy. You had no intention of silencing dissent. And then yesterday, uh, the step is taken to remove two of your most vocal dissenters. So it seems to be a complete contradiction of what you've been saying for weeks and months. No, I don't think so, Shay. It's clear that we've had far more room for MLAs to express their views on the difficult issues around COVID than in any government or party across the country. And it's true, I've defended uh, the democratic debate reflecting the very real debate that's happening in our society. But at the end of the day, a caucus has to be able to operate uh, with, a, with a degree of solidarity, of mutual trust, um, because uh, we, we need to we need to under- believe that we're all on the same team. And what our caucus decided yesterday, unfortunately, is that a couple of our members really weren't acting uh, consistent with that. So, you know, at the end of the day, I've always said that our caucus will police that kind of thing. They'll decide what the parameters are. The, frankly, the, Shay, the political parameters. Uh, it, it's so it, it's not it's clearly not a decision just about uh, disagreeing with government policy because we have a lot of members who've done that. But I think they've done it in a way that tries to maintain the the unity of our team, and uh, that was really the basis of yesterday. Decision. Yeah, and obviously Mr. Lowen made the attack personal, saying that you needed to resign as leader. Um, but, but Drew Barnes, he's done nothing more than he's been doing for months. Why was he sucked into this vortex? What happened there? Well, well I think that, that his colleagues saw a, a, a very uh, serious pattern of behavior, uh, which increasingly was reflecting uh, um, bad faith and an unwillingness to, to even try to work within the team uh, on, on, on point after point. And Shay, look, I'm not going to get into the confidentiality of our of our caucus discussions, but but obviously there are a lot of internal issues, uh, things that have happened between members that that ultimately uh, caused, I think, the majority of our caucus to feel like they were being undermined and uh, unable to work as a team as a result. So they made that difficult decision. I regret that that it had to come to this. Uh, but uh, I respect the decision our caucus has made, and we're going to move on focused on the priorities of the public, which, of course, is getting through the rest of COVID uh, as best we can as a province, and then coming out of it with a strong economic recovery and moving back to the to the fight for a fair deal for Alberta. Premier, you keep mentioning the fact that the caucus made this decision. Are you trying to create the impression that you had no hand in this? This wasn't a directive from you to bring this to a head? The caucus was the one that spurred this? Well, yes, I am. And in fact, uh, just to share with you, my, my view is is that if there's a member who's clearly crossed a line in terms of ethical or legal conduct, that the leader uh, can and must act in terms of removing someone from caucus. We made that difficult decision once uh, with respect to one member. But if it's more of a political matter about the coherence of the team, about mutual trust, um, about respect for other members, then it then it's, then it's I think for the, it's best for the members to decide. And uh, I can tell you that um, it, this was a it was a motion proposed by by um, uh, indiv- individual members of caucus. It was fairly debated over several hours. I would say quite respectfully, uh, and uh, nobody liked it. But the, but they they had to make a, a tough decision, and they did. And I, I respect that. I mean, I did not reveal which way I was voting because I didn't want to sort of put my finger on the scale. Uh, I did express my my disappointment with some of the conduct, and, and people are aware of that. But uh, this uh, ultimately, it, what this says is we we have to be a team. We have to be professional. Uh, we can't allow 
um, it, it, personal agendas to distract the team, or for that matter, the government from the from the business of of, uh, of governing, particularly the time of crisis like this. You mentioned you know the tense discussion, the fact that it lasted several hours and things like that. It wasn't put to a secret ballot. Do you, does that give us a, a you know a clear indication? If it was done with a secret ballot, people would have a lot more freedom. But when you're in a meeting where we're talking about expelling two members from the party um, for dissenting. Uh, a secret ballot, I think, would serve well to allow people to dissent without fear of they'll be the next two to be kicked out of the party. What was the vote count in the end, and why wasn't it a secret ballot? Well, I don't know who, what the vote count was. In terms of a secret ballot, I'm not sure how, how that's administered on a on a Zoom call, uh, but it was it was administered by the acting uh, chair of, of caucus, uh, who is uh, somebody that ha- is uh, has a great... Uh, uh, reputation for, for for professionalism and uh, confidentiality. He's actually a lawyer, so he's bound to, to principles like that. And he's the only person who knows um, how people voted and what the tally was. So he's he, that's confidential. Uh, but uh, it was a majority, and um, I have no doubt about that. Uh, so, so tough decision made, but a necessary decision, and we're moving on. Um, in his resignation, Lowen said that you were seen as arrogant and out of touch. Now, those words, as you know, Premier, weren't chosen lightly. Those are the words that ended a more than 40-year-long Conservative dynasty in this province. He does cite several examples to back up that assertion, examples where your own ministers have had to publicly go out and say, yep, we blew it, we need to start over. Have you lost touch not only with your party's grassroots, but with Albertans in general? Do you feel like your policies and actions are in any way representative of what the people of Alberta want to see from your government? Well, absolutely they are, because uh, we were elected with the largest democratic mandate in Alberta history, the first government ever to win over a million votes, uh, 56% of the popular vote yeah, on a very... Yeah, things have changed, on, as you know. The poll, I mean, you take a look at the polling now, you've gone from those numbers down to the 20s. But the, the point is that that mandate was for a very specific platform, 292 platform commitments, the, the largest and most detailed election platform in history, because we wanted to have a very clear mandate. And we, uh, we've we now implemented about 85% of those commitments in whole or in part. And by the end of this spring session of the legislature, we'll have implemented about 90% of what we were elected to do. Now, of course, a small thing happened in the middle of all that called COVID mm-hmm. and the largest global uh, economic collapse in a se- in nearly a century, the largest uh, energy price collapse in history, uh, a triple whammy for this province that has hit us hard, hit all Albertans hard. And, of course, you know full well, and I've, I've spoken to, about this on your show before, Shay, that, that in this province we've had, a, unfortunately, a very polarized uh, debate, well, not even a debate sometimes, just a real polarization on uh, COVID and the COVID response. You know, there's a lot of folks out there who criticize the government for having been uh, insufficiently stringent on COVID measures. A lot of others who say we've been far too stringent. Uh, we've been trying as best we can to walk a middle path that hasn't pleased people on the on the margins. Uh, but I believe that uh, when this is all said and done, we'll be able to look back and see that in a, in a certainly in a Canadian and a global perspective that Alberta has Albertans have done well throughout the pandemic, and we are set according to most think tanks for the best economic growth in the country. Uh, we were elected for um, jobs in the economy, and, and that's what we'll, we'll see, uh, I think partly as a result of the pro-growth policies we put in place. And uh, this fall, we get to come back to things like the referendum on equalization and the fight for a fair deal, which unites many Albertans. Um, 
as you mentioned, we're in the middle of a pandemic here, and, and things are, have gotten into another situation where I, I don't want to say crisis, but things are very serious right now. Obviously, with you know kids out of schools, we're hearing that rural emergency departments are closing their doors in some locations. Um, a lot of businesses and people certainly suffering. Um, and it would appear the governing party is at the very least preoccupied with infighting and palace intrigue by the things we're seeing this week. Who's actually doing the work of government? The legislature's closed. I mean, we need a steady hand on the wheel here, don't we? Well, we are a steady hand on the wheel. Every day uh, I'm in uh, uh, pretty much back-to-back meetings on uh, on COVID-related matters and with our cabinet. We, as you know, we're making very difficult decisions as we did with, with recent restrictions, uh, and, and we continue to do that. Um, the truth is we're spending less time on, on politics, if you will, because right now the legislature is not in session, so there's not the, the daily shouting match or question period and all of that. I'll also point out to you, Jay, that in the past uh, 14 months, Alberta's legislature has met more days and passed more legislation than any legislature or the Parliament of Canada, getting more business done, including on non-COVID-related matters, because we can walk and chew gum at the same time. We can do the people's business on issues like economic policy um, and um, provide the direction that's needed to, for example, our, our, our health service. In terms of covid um, you're right that, that this is a critical moment, and we are going to see a growing pressure on the hospital system for at least another uh, probably three weeks. But I, I do want to highlight there is some encouraging news that Albertans are rising to the call, it appears, and uh, the numbers, that the, the total active case numbers have stabilized. They're coming down a little bit. Daily case numbers are coming down from last week. And, and so I think we have a, a good reason to hope that uh, we're, 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 we're going to get out of this. Um, it, and uh, we just have to stick to, our, uh, stick to our guns for a couple more weeks here. Yeah, you mentioned the fact that the, the province has passed more legislature and held more days and things like that. But it is closed now. Uh, you know, the legislature is closed and it's been extended past the May long weekend at a time when I think, you know, there is a lot going on in our province right now. Why is it closed? Or at least, you know, I, I, I saw that the speaker was talking about setting up virtual meetings you know, later this month. I mean, we've been virtually meeting around the world for over a year now. The House of Commons has figured it out. Why is the business of the legislature shut down at such a critical moment? What is the reasoning for it? Well, I believe the committees are still uh, meeting. Uh, again, we're way ahead of our schedule in terms of legislation because we met so much last year when uh, the opposition wanted wanted to shut down the legislature, and many most other legislatures in Canada shut down for much of last year. We didn't do that, but we hit this this uh, record high peak in cases, this huge spike, as you know, mm-hmm. in the past uh, a couple of weeks. We needed to send a message to Albertans uh, to, if possible, stay home. Bringing eighty three MLAs from every corner of the province, excuse me, eighty seven MLAs from every corner of the province uh, to to Edmonton, um, it, it didn't seem like a responsible or prudent thing to do uh, during uh, that very serious spike. So both for you know to help keep the staff safe up there, to 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 limit exposure of MLAs, to stop people mixing from all across the province. We just thought at that particular time it made sense. If we're asking people really. To, if possible, to work from home, that we should do the same. And uh, I think that what, once we see a, a pattern of the numbers coming down again and getting COVID under control, uh, we can come back in the legislature and finish our business. We'll, have, we'll sit just as many days as we plan to, just be a little later into the spring. Um, speaking of heading a little bit later into uh, the spring and the summer, uh, I know Stampede has been something you've talked about. We're still going to have Stampede. We're hearing that Toronto is closing down um, any uh, uh, gatherings and events right through until September. Given our current situation, you know, the best summer ever, seems to be in jeopardy. Um, Where do you think we stand in terms of getting a summer that would look something even remotely close to normal? It looks like that's slipping away. 
Well, there's been a, a group at um, Alberta Health working with organizers of major summer events on uh, potential parameters for outdoor events this summer, and I'm still confident that that much of that can happen. The problem, of course, is the planning horizon. Many of these are organ or big events that require uh, months of planning, but I think they have contingency. There are many events, including Stampede, that are working on contingency plans for for scaled down events. Uh, one thing we've been working on with the Stampede, for example, and the government of Canada is getting uh, special permission for um, rodeo performers and athletes uh, to to come up here uh, from the U.S. Uh, so that they can participate with some flexibility around the quarantine and travel requirements, for example. So there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes. What we need to see, and really the answer to your question, O'Shea, is how Albertans um, respond to the spike over the next little bit of time uh, the next, set, let's say, three three weeks or so, if we can just really drive this spike down uh, and let the vaccines take over in June, then I think we can see a significant relaxation of public health restrictions uh, in the summer. Now, I, I've never suggested that there won't be any restrictions. I've always said I can't imagine 25,000 people sit, sitting right next to each other in the stands at mm-hmm. the Stampede. But, um, but I do think we can have uh, uh, summer events. And when I say best summer ever, what I mean is, a summer where, where grandparents are able to go over and, and hug their grandkids, that I think for most people will be the best summer. Just getting out of COVID will be uh, uh, a great moment for all of us. Okay, I know you've got to run. Just one more before I go here, speaking to leadership. And, you know, leadership, I think the, the, the key tenet of it is the fact that the people you're leading have confidence in the person that's leading them. Um, y- y- you take a look at the polling numbers, which we touched on earlier. It would appear most Albertans seem to have lost that confidence. We take a look at what's going on within the UCP party itself. It's questionable if you have the caucus's confidence. Um, the leadership question itself... Do you have what you need in terms of the confidence of Albertans and your own party to continue guiding this province through what is a really tumultuous time, both economically, public health-wise? There's all sorts of things going on. Are you the guy for the job? Have you considered that maybe uh, you don't have the confidence you need to continue to lead this province? Well, first, yesterday our caucus did confirm their, their confidence in my leadership, and I appreciate that. I mean, that was obviously uh, one of the issues at play at the decision made yesterday. Uh, secondly, I, I, as you know, there have been some folks uh, uh, trying to destabilize the, the government during this uh, period of crisis uh, internally. I think it's a very small group, and they simply haven't uh, been able to uh, demonstrate uh, any widespread support for that. So, yes, I, I believe I have the confidence of the the party that I lead and the, the caucus I serve with, and uh, I'm governing on on the largest democratic mandate in Alberta history. We've been through some tough times, uh, but I, I think we're going to emerge very strong. And so I, I look forward to, to, to leading uh, through this period. And um, and and I just you know for for all Albertans, I know it's been a tough time. A lot of people are angry and anxious, but we can see uh, that we're we're getting very close to the end of this thing. Uh, let's get to the goal. Um, just to wrap up, the meeting yesterday, was it sort of we're just going to have this vote or was there also clear directive to the party going forward in terms of this has to stop um, and there will be further consequences if it continues? Or was that law not put down and we may see more party members taking well, the same steps these others did? Well, I think that was very I think that message was was very uh, implicit that that caucus members are uh, have a uh, limited tolerance now. For, for behavior that can undermine the unity of our team and our ability to work together in trust. Okay. Premier Kenny, I appreciate your time. As always, thank you for joining us this morning. Really appreciate it, Jay. Thank you. Thank you.
That is Premier Jason Kenney.